We good? Yeah. yeah. All right. Hi, everybody, and welcome to what do we call this thing? <laughs> Hi, everybody. <laughs> Dust there. Hi, everybody. <laughs> the chances of me opening a beer before the end of this are super high. All right. <laughs> Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Human Element Karis Podcast on Modern Marketing. I am so excited to be joined by Ryan Duffy, who is the emerging tech writer at Morning Brew and writes the newsletter called Emerging Tech Brew. Is that right? Yep, it's a mouthful, but you got it. I got to lay down. (laughs) I got to lay down. Ryan, thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. And we are here in the Vegas. Yeah, we are. Yeah. I've, I've probably been here longer than anyone got in Saturday night. Ooh. I don't I'm know sorry to I hear thinking. that. I have no idea why. Torturing Did, myself. Has anything gone well? I've covered a lot of ground. This is my first trip in Vegas. Yeah. And so I've basically seen half of Vegas. I would say that that's gone well. Tell us a little bit about your story. I'm always interested in people's journeys and how they got where they are. What's yours? Yeah. So I grew up in Texas, went to school in Boston, and then I went back to school. Are you Rangers or Red Sox? I'm Red Sox because I was born there and I was raised in uh, right, a Boston family. Sorry. Hopefully we can move past that. Not not likely. So so I shuffled between <laughs> Boston and Texas. I was in Austin and I was studying all of this and working on the side and researching a lot of emerging technologies. And I saw this job opening at Morning Brew and Morning Brew was a young publication that really spoke to me. I enjoyed it. And so it was just kind of the dream job opening. And luckily enough, after many, many writing samples, many back and forths with the team, it worked out. Talk to me about journalism. We obviously live in a complicated time for journalism. How sort of on a day in day out basis, how acutely aware are you of this moment in time as it relates to journalism? Journalism as an industry, as a vocation, faces a number of headwinds. The first is the, you know, the business model, Mm. the, the economics of the journalism industry have kind of been flipped on their head. There are a lot of challenges, political challenges that journalists face and challenges in public trust. I think that we're witnessing a period where a lot of institutions are facing a lot more scrutiny in the public eye than previous eras. And I think that journalism as an institution is no exception to that. That being said, I think that the tech press is a little bit different. Mm. The tech press is definitely kind of a microcosm of this larger trend. I've seen a lot of flack from especially people in Silicon Valley that let's say look kind of with disdain on the reporting from a lot of the legacy institutions. So New York Times, Washington Post. And the reason there is why, like, what is the issue? So they think, and not unfairly, they think that these narratives and the coverage is too critical. Mm. I'm not going to agree or disagree with that, but I see some merit to the the criticism. Their perspective on that is it's too critical because it sells. The criticism is it just generates clicks, go negative. I don't completely buy into that because when you look at what's happening across the broader industry, there is this aspect of a tech lash. And so- Because they're real issues. Right, of course. And we can get into that in, in a bit. But the tech lash, I mean, it play, it's playing out in government and all these investigations mm-hmm. at the state and federal level, the level of trust and affinity, brand affinity that a lot of consumers have for technology companies is 
is wavering a bit. Definitely yep. for Facebook, maybe not so much for Amazon because I don't know how many people, but it seems like over half of America is a prime customer. I think there is maybe some aspect of overly negative coverage, but it also follows the trend of the wider public being a little bit more scrutinizing of the tech industry. 10 years ago in 2010, it was like everyone was a cheerleader and, and yeah. all of these tech rising tech companies were- They were gonna save us. Right, exactly. This is the most obvious cold take ever, but the that <laughs> actually we, that we almost is, called this cold take. Oh, yeah, that was that should, was the original title. You should you should rename it that. I like that. You like that? Okay. I do. When you think about what you're writing about, do you have a, a backdrop of this tech context in mind, or is it something you sort of park over here and you're like, all right, I'm, I'm going to write each story as it comes? I do. That is a underlying motif theme that mm. that I try to think about. But at the same time, my specific beat isn't so much covering the culture and a lot of the the battles. Yep. But it's more focused on emerging what we yeah, define what's at as the front end. Emerging yeah. technologies and the businesses yep. that are, are working in these spaces. Yep. But that being said, you know, with an emerging technology, let's just take facial recognition. Let's take algorithms that have these biases baked in, I'm not going to avoid that. Yeah. And and when that, you know, when that is in the news cycle or when there is some big report that comes out, of course, we'll, we'll write about that. How unprepared is the government to manage this stuff? I like to say that robots move way faster than regulators. <laughs> and this isn't new where the law lags quite a bit behind yeah. technology. But when you look at the pace and the velocity yeah. and trajectory of a lot of these new technologies, something does feel different. Plus, let's take artificial intelligence, machine learning, all of that. I would argue that that is, even at a basic level, harder to understand. Yeah. You know, a few years ago, we had Mark Zuckerberg on the stand and a senator, a U.S. senator, asked him how they make money. And yeah. that's, the, that's where the infamous senator, we run ads, came from. Yeah. But, you know, the fact that a U.S. senator hadn't done the due diligence or just wasn't really yep. aware of the fact, you know, the basic business model of Facebook. It's a symbol of how sometimes the government's understanding and comprehension of these topics can lag. Yeah. And I'm happy to go into a little bit more about specific technology because I think there are some good examples of the government kind of staying apace. When you look at actually who's here, the... Secretary of Transportation, Elaine Chao. Transportation is a space where I think the government is actually at this point doing a pretty good job. Obviously, Uber and a lot of the scooter companies went with the ask for forgiveness and not permission sure. model and rolled out and deployed in cities before City Hall really knew what was going on. And I think that we've seen cities catch up, you know, reclaim the narrative, reclaim power some, basically some control yeah, yeah yeah absolutely the government is starting to think a lot about ai the white house just released a guideline of 10 points i, I don't really remember what all of them were but it was just yesterday wow. and it, it's basically a guideline for how the federal government should be thinking about deploying ai but you know those are those are some examples it's an early start but i would still say especially with what i'm writing about emerging technologies so Beyond AI, drones, self-driving cars, the list really goes on and on. 
I think that theme that I mentioned, robots move faster than regulators, I think that that really, that holds. Yeah, that's true. So let's jump into the show a little bit. So you've gotten a chance to be both halves as of today? Yes. Yeah? Yes. All right. So give me a couple of things that sort of jumped out at you. Anything particularly interesting off the top, and then I have some specifics we'll go through. I think what is abundantly clear this year, and it's not necessarily a new trend at CES, but it's just so visceral and so noticeable this year, is just the amount of devices beyond the smartphone, beyond sort of the mainstays of CES historically, you know, computers, that sort of thing. The amount of new devices that are capturing analyzing, applying algorithms to data. Yep. So so one, the data sphere, yep. you know, the, the amount of data that we are producing, processing, collecting, communicating between devices, that's all growing a lot. And everyone's talking about that. But why we come to CES is we come to see things. And the really tangible way that you see this is the showroom floors are just dominated by wearables, yep. by smart home technology, by all manner of other quote unquote smart devices. And Apple is really the leader in this space, in my view, with the AirPods, the wireless earbuds that are increasingly, you know, capable of, they have Siri in them and they can handle some increasingly complex tasks. And then also the smartwatches, obviously. Apple Watch, if you broke out how much money they're making from just those two products, it it would blow your mind. But what's interesting for me, and it's really noticeable this year, is how a lot of the bigger technology companies aren't even, they have a minimal presence here. They're not doing the keynotes. They might have, you know, a small booth, but yep. they don't need to be here. They don't need to be they, here. They can, they can have their own events. And they prefer to. Right. When they please. And that was a model that was, you know, pioneered with Steve Jobs and Apple, but now all of the big companies do it. Yeah. That being said, the one exception is Samsung. Samsung has a, I just was just walking through it. It's like a little city. And it's like a little city at the Las Vegas Convention Center. They had a keynote, so they made some announcements. Did you see Ivanka yesterday? I didn't see Ivanka, but I heard that it was a a packed house. It was really hard to get in. Yep. I I would imagine the security, Las Vegas cops, but also the Secret Service, they had to seal off a lot of the doors. I didn't see it. You know, I saw a recap of of the the talking points. I didn't go either. I did read a little review, but I haven't read enough to know what exactly the implications were. I read something that was pretty negative, but I think it's unfair to sort of, I'd have to look around a little bit more. Yeah, well, my impression was that she was really talking about the future of work. Yep. And that is part and parcel of what you would see from any programming at CES. I think that's something that she's kind of prioritizing as a a special advisor to the president. I think that's her her title. Yeah, I mean, her portfolio is in her, you know, women's issues and sort of this future of work, working model, you know, childcare kind of thing. So let's jump into a couple things. When you sort of think about emerging technologies, what are the couple things that are, and I hate this word, so I apologize, but like the hottest or the most buzzworthy in the moment? Wow. I thought you were going to say disruptive. Oh, all right. Well, I could do disruptive too. Let's, uh, let's I hate that word. No, let's go with, with hottest (laughs) and buzziest. (laughs) In theory, there's a decent overlap between yeah, those two things. Yeah. Okay. Is, is this in the context of CES or just sort of the zeitgeist what's happening right now? Yeah, I think this moment. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, the obvious one is artificial intelligence and machine learning. It's everywhere. Every business, as you can kind of tell at CES, every company thinks that they're a tech company or they're trying to be a tech company sure. or they are a tech company. Yeah. And I think that the really the next wave is that 
companies are going to have to start doing that with artificial intelligence, whether they build it or whether they, you know, acquire startups or hire someone that can help them or, you know, AI as a service. There, there, There's a lot of options, but I think that that trend goes really horizontally across a lot of industries. And it's clear, you can see that when you look at the keynotes and you look at the programming and then you also go onto the showroom floors. Everyone is thinking about it. Everyone's talking about it. A lot of it's just hype. A lot of it's noise. Sure. I can't tell you like how many times I see that acronym every day, but it, it, so a lot of it is hype and a lot of it is noise, but there is this really big transformation taking place across a lot of different enterprises and businesses. Sure. Like every single one of them. Right. Yeah. Right. How many pitches do you get with AI? In it? Is there a pitch you get that doesn't have AI in it? There are because my portfolio at Emerging Tech Brew spans that, robotics, augmented reality, virtual mm -hmm. reality, internet of things, smart devices, wearables, voice assistants. And there's there's a lot of overlap between sure. some of these categories I'm saying. And then there's a dash of, you know, blockchain, cryptocurrency. Ooh, let's go there for one second. So the blockchain hot index, much cooler than it was, say, oh, I don't know, 18 months ago, 24 months ago. Mm -hmm. True. Yeah. Just on um, buzziness. I would say yes. I think that there are some really big headline applications of the technology that might not be, you know, what it's OG, let's say day one fan base really want. There's a lot, there's a lot of, there's a lot of industry. There is a fan there's a lot, base. There's a lot of industry and government. For sure. Experimenting around yeah. this or, or actual deployments mm -hmm. of it. I would say it is, it is hotter. I think that you know, you were asking earlier about the government's activity vis-a-vis -vis sure. industry players. One counter trend to what I was saying about the law lagging behind technology is Facebook's Libra project. Hmm. Obviously that all the payment processors pulled out, it has received an unbelievable amount of, of flack across, you know, across multiple continents. <laughs> uh, I think they say that they're still going to roll it out this year, but we'll see. Yeah, I mean, this is a fascinating area to me, right? So, you, and we talked a little bit about this in a in a trends report that we published uh, about a week ago for 2020. The interesting bit is there are a few core definitional things that make a nation state a nation state, and one of yeah, them is currency. Absolutely. And when you have these organizations like these big digital platforms that in many cases are several times larger than, you know, many hundreds of countries in the world, and then they start sort of issuing currency themselves, it really does begin to sort of question what kind of entity are they? Are they political entities? And I don't mean politics entities, I mean political entities in the sense of virtual nations. And I think that's a, that's a really, you know, you really get into a kind of a rat hole pretty quickly when you start thinking that way. My master's degree was actually in international relations. It's not really what I'm focusing on day-to-day mm. -day at Emerging Tech Brew, but I, you know, I do find myself increasingly writing about it just because of so many different trends, you know, the US, China trade war that's also a tech war. But also, yeah, this this yeah. Libra, this is a great example of this unfolding. A lot of nation states which is, you know, a 300-year-old model of sovereignty, they feel threatened because the idea of, of minting and controlling money sure. is a, you know... In, Central in, principle of absolutely, having a state. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's why everyone is moving so quickly on Libra, counter to, you know... Some other things. Right. Yeah. They're moving so quickly because a lot feel threatened. Sure. And in the EU, every other week, there is a minister that comes out and says something very, very 
tweetable about Libra. And <laughs> let's just say it's usually not nice. Right. But the last thing I'll say is that you're asking about blockchain, digital yeah. currencies. China's moving pretty quickly with this and they're going to deploy a very centrally controlled version at some point soon. So there is activity in the state space because as you alluded to, the idea of controlling money supplies and everything is a is a pretty fundamentally a government. I mean, it's a key part of it. That irks a lot of the really, really loyal, hardcore, you know, initial followers of these projects. So we are going to do a little bit of rapid response. We've covered a few of these already, but I, if you could kind of give me an up or down arrow okay. and like a phrase on these, we'll try to zip through them. All right, drones, up or down with a little comment. Up. There, you just go to the show. There's a lot of, lot of activity. Commercially or for private use? Everyone is jonesing to get delivery drone yeah, yeah, fleets okay. out the door. And the government wants to facilitate that. So yeah. I, I would say up. I wouldn't say expect it tomorrow. In fact, just last week, there are these reported sightings of unidentified drone swarms in Colorado and Nebraska, and it's wild and no one knows what's going on. So they have to iron out a few kinks before they're ubiquitous. Did they break out of the corral or what? what's happening with these? Like, I'm surprised your first instinct wasn't to go to UFOs, but it sounds like <laughs> so many people have seen them. And, Normally I wear a tinfoil hat. And, and, I took it off for this. It was too Sheriffs in the FAA have said they're investigating, so it doesn't seem like it's UFOs, but I guess okay. you never know. I did not hear about sort of I've drones been, unloosed onto the great prairie. So I've been talking to so many industry experts here and people that are really, really in this space and, I, and everyone seems to have missed it. It's kind huh. of weird. Maybe the entire drone industry is just doing something and they're all in on it together and okay. we don't know about it. Ryan, I, I know you're a very reputable reporter and I just want to make sure you did not get this from like 8chan or like this is not some crazy, you know. It was in the Denver Post. Okay. It was all in right. the New York right. Times. Like I'll, actual, send, I'll send okay. you some links. Okay. <laughs> I just said. <laughs> I, I wrote about it so my credibility is on the line. Oh, really? Okay, yeah, so yeah. you did. All right. I, I put Fair in enough. Emerging Tech Brew. If, I so. tell you what, if it was in Emerging Tech Brew, <laughs> it's, it's, that's fact. That's fact. Amazon. Amazon. The everything store. I think that it continues its march to everything. Yeah. One of the big storylines this week is Alexa's and everything. Yeah. And Alexa, you know, is just a voice assistant from this e-commerce, logistics, delivery, yeah. cloud infrastructure, you name it, company. Yeah. Advertising. They're only the third largest advertising. Right, right. Yeah. Company in the I, world. Sometimes I forget that Amazon is really becoming consumerism's search engine. So there's obviously a lot of advertising opportunity yeah, there. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I think it's one of their biggest growth areas, which... Again, I think it's a fascinating place for them to play. Parts of it, however, ironically, are more people-driven. And I am not sure that that's their wheelhouse, like interpersonally driven. Yeah. So that'll be yeah. that'll be interesting to see. Yeah. Apple, up, down, sideways. Up. Services doing really well. As I said earlier, yep. AirPods, Apple Watch doing really well. And that wasn't the case in the beginning. That thing kind of had a rough launch, right? The Apple Watch? The yeah. I think the message was that it was too upmarket. And I mean, like most Apple products, it's still too expensive. a premium product. But <laughs> but I think that they were able to reclaim that narrative pretty quickly. Robots in general, right? So we've had robots for what, 40 years? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I am not familiar with, you know, other than, you know, the auto industry. And I mean, there's clearly an industrial right, 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 thing. Right. But like the day in, day outness of either my job or my house, you know, we're not the Jetsons. The industrial robot base and robot density is climbing, and I think that it's going to continue to skyrocket. So in Amazon fulfillment centers, Walmart just made an yep. announcement today with some floor-to-ceiling robotic system they're rolling out. Consumer robots, that's tough. I don't think anyone's been able to really crack it. And why is that? 
one, they tend to be expensive. If they're not expensive and they're cheap, they can't do that much. Two, I think that the novelty factor wears off pretty quickly. <laughs> yeah. I guess that's what I would say. The question is the use case. If you take a look at something as, as pedantic as the Roomba, right? So, yeah. all right, this is a vacuum thing, which I, I guess is reasonably effective. I really don't know. I'm that's not the a, best I, consumer robot example I could I, give you. Right? I, I, I would say, I would Absolutely. say so. And again, I would say it is because the use case is clear. It's so clear. And the Roomba has been around since the early 2000s. So, I mean, if you can crack the use case for a consumer robot application, then you'll do really well. And I mean, you go to the showroom floor, there are so many, I don't want to be mean, but want to be Roomba competitors. Actually, no, there is competition in this space, but that's a great example of something that works. I mean, again, if somebody could come up with like cooking, or dishes or you know what I mean? Like I'm just trying to think of like things that everybody has to do that nobody really wants to do. That now you're cooking with gas, right? If you had a yeah. robot that could not break the dishes and effectively clean them and, you know, even reasonably get them back in the right spot, there's people that would sign up for yeah, such things. I think that you should really look to Japan to Yeah, it's see. not gonna happen here. Right. Well, because Japan also has a really aging population and they have their uh reproductive rates really, really low and their, their workforce is, is shrinking. So there are a lot of companies over there that are that are thinking about it. And whether it's a companion robot that just, you know, will interact yeah. with, with yeah. uh, elderly people and just kind of, you know, give them some emotional support or it, it's something that takes on a functional task that reduces some, some physical pressure. Yeah. yeah. But I always like to look at what's happening over there because I think a lot of companies are really thinking about that hard, trying to crack that code. Last one, deep fakes. Let's talk about those. Deep fakes. So they're legitimate. Because I find this terrifying. Yeah, yeah. There are legitimate use cases for deep fakes. The technology really was born out of a lot of, you know, similar to CGI and that sort of thing that, that Hollywood deploys. But the problem now is that it's the technology to do it's been completely commoditized and all of our social media platforms really run on user-generated content yep. and we've seen the escape velocity of certain you know misinformation and intentionally you know false sure. things put out there and when you see that in a photo realistic representation of someone the chance that people are going to buy into it and that something bad could happen is a lot higher and but you see i mean facebook it, it's somewhere right around 100 percent. yeah yeah you see facebook just announced this week that they're going to ban it. Let's be clear. Facebook has not successfully banned other things. Yeah, they, they yeah. Haven't, I mean, well, you know, the, I, the track record here is, is uh, difficult. Yeah, yeah. I was at a lunch with two Facebook executives with the press, and they said that that's one of their big priorities this year. It's been one of their big priorities mm. for a few years, cleaning up the platform this year, especially election integrity, but also, you know, building building trust on the platform. I think that the technology companies, when they see a problem, they have the cash on hand to invest sure. you know, in countermeasures and the technology companies really are investing in countermeasures. It might be a cat and mouse game in terms of, you know, I make a deep fake. Yep. The AI system that we build can maybe detect it, but then I don't know how technically you want me to get here, but the generative adversarial network, I just had to give my tech shops once. There you go. I like, keep going. Uh, we don't get this often. That, so that, drop that, all you want. It's basically, it's basically just like a, a cat and mouse game. Yeah, that's a, it's a big issue, but you know, to Facebook's credit, there are some apps that are making it possible for you to, to deep fake as a feature. At least they're not doing that. Interesting. Are you worried about the integrity of the U.S. election? Yes. I think that it's probably one of the most 
digitally vulnerable institutions in the U.S. right now. I think that's probably right. Yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully we're not ending on that. <laughs> wow. Hey, boys and girls. <laughs> have, have a great afternoon. Oh, my Lord have mercy. That was dark. The reason why I asked is I, I figured you'd have an opinion on it. And, and two, why isn't this a bigger story? You'd probably tell me it is a big story. We've been talking about it for three years. It's still not as big a story as the story is. Does that make sense? Like, Yeah, well... This is a trend that undercuts every technology that I'm writing about and thinking about is the more that we are putting online, the more security, privacy, data protection issues we'll have because nothing is totally secure. There's a saying that everyone's been hacked. Some people just don't know it yet. I think that that's a, a pretty good but unfortunate yeah it's true motto yeah uh, but but the election is the idea that you know there's vulnerabilities in the the electronic vote tally systems and voter rolls and all of that but also just the platforms you can use the platforms to manipulate public opinion sure yeah, uh, at it's, least that's it's the, the fear. It's the double-edged sword. Yeah, right? yeah. I mean, we're definitely gonna have the latter. You mm -hmm. worry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Form. But hey, we weren't talking about it in 2016, so at least we're talking about it right now. That's a start. Oof, boy, that's digging the bottom of the optimism glass, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> but thank you, Ryan. I appreciate that. Yeah. All right, I'll sleep much better tonight. So, all right, are you ready? We are gonna jump to something we call the lightning round. I'm ready. You ready? I'm ready. All right. I would love to tell you that I have some kind of like t-shirt or mug for you, but I, but I don't. Coming from Morning Brew, where our swag is a is a big part of our brand, I highly recommend investing in swag. I'm telling you right now, these socks are magnificent. I'm so excited for my little. They're great. Uh, morning. They're Brew great. My socks. my feet my feet feel like they're in heaven right now. Yeah, they look fantastic. <laughs> Favorite digital experience, not your own. I would say Snapchat augmented reality filters. Hmm. I like them, and a lot of other people like them. Snapchat saw insane engagement rates a few months ago when they did the baby face and gender swap filters, and the bigger. <laughs> No, they did. I know it's, it's true. true. It's I know. true. I and know. that Russian app that makes you look 40 years older blew up. <laughs> yeah. No one really cared it was a Russian app. But Facebook is doing a lot of this now. And then there are so many other companies at CES right now that are health, fitness, beauty, whatever, that are using digital, filter, digital yeah, filters yeah. To, to show you either a skincare product, a, yep. a clothing or something. So I, I, I really think that that's a, we, didn't, we haven't really talked about augmented reality or virtual reality, but I think that that's a really, really, really engaging and compelling use case for this sort of technology right now. Yeah, I agree with that. I didn't ask you about it because I'm I'm bored with it, but that doesn't mean it's not. That's okay. No, it's okay. It doesn't mean it's not legitimate. And that clearly there are use cases and applications coming. And I think you're right. And but you've been over the hype cycle. You've gone down. You've yeah, gone, no, you went I'm, over. And so you're, yeah, I understand. Yeah, I, it might be one of those situations where I was on a plane that went through the hype cycle. Okay, yeah, okay. I, I might have sort okay. of skipped it. A little. Okay. I was at 12,000 feet. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All time favorite band or song? So I like Odessa a lot. It's an really? uh, EDM artist. Yeah. Are, you do you like me, you EDM just, you just, in general? In general, yeah. I like a lot of different genres, but you just asked me about my favorite digital experience, my favorite physical experience, at least as a concert goer are the two Odessa concerts I went to. So. All right. I love it. I love it. Best career advice you've given or received. Pass it forward. A lot of people helped me when I was trying to crack into this field. And ultimately I lucked out because it was a startup where my, my headspace was at the same place yeah. as our founders and a lot of my coworkers. But that being said, when I was in college, I was really ambitious and I was always reaching out to people and most people would take my calls or return my emails. So I've tried to do that. 
Mm. And I will continue trying to do that. That's awesome. All right, let's write the end of year headline for 2020 right now. It was the year of... We've gone negative a couple of times and I really don't want to go negative. The apocalypse? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go negative and I'm going to go positive. I'm gonna I love give, it. I'm going to give you, I'm gonna give you two scenarios. Okay. One, this is the year of further tension because of what's happening between China and the United States in terms of supply chains and the relationships between our companies and the, the flow of talent across borders and all of that. And then also, like I said, the just within the United States, the tensions with the antitrust, mm-hmm. privacy, the list goes on. I think the more optimistic headline is that a lot of devices and a lot of services that weren't available to a large amount of the world, let's say at the beginning of this year, will be available to people at the end of the year. Which country is the bigger tech leader, China or the United it's States? It's the United States. And Still. I could get you a, a ton of data and a I could write you a five-page paper about why I'm positive that that's the case. Okay. And, I, and I've and i said it in the newsletter before and had readers that write in disagreeing, but I, it's, <laughs> it's, it's definitely still the United States. When you look at the cutting edge of innovation, it's yeah. still happening here. When you look at where the world's best class talent is, it's still here. I mean, that being said, and this is so clear from the showroom floor I was just on, China's, they're kicking ass with hardware. Yeah, agreed. Huawei? Huawei, you notice that a lot of the bigger Chinese companies don't have a presence here this year. Huawei does. And they had a pretty impressive year, all things considered, with the U.S. blacklisting and our State Department lobbying allies not to use their 5G networks. To mixed results. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That, that's a perfect way of putting it. But they still had a pretty strong year. What sort of one thing in anything, personally or in business, gives you reason for hope in the next 18, 24 months? I mean, I still believe, if I didn't think this, then I probably wouldn't be in this line of work. I still think that for a lot of the kind of negative headlines that we see, a lot of these services and products and a lot of technology is a fundamentally good thing. Tech is a force for good. Yeah, I believe that. I'm not trying to whitewash or write off some of the issues. And the industry is definitely going through sort of a cycle of despair right now. but But I still think that. And I still think that there are... You look at India, India's a great example. There are so many people that are coming online for the first time. There's so many people that through phones have access to the world, online services, yeah. streaming, banking, all of that. So that, that's that's a good high point to end on. Yeah, that was really, really well done. All right, what's the one thing I should have asked you that I didn't? You're You're the actual journalist here. You should have asked me. What are the... It's very definitive, right? What are the buzzwords, marketing, PR, all that buzzwords that I don't like? Oh, so Ryan, what are the marketing PR buzzwords that you don't like? You aren't going to believe this answer, but all of... (laughs) Every single technology we've just said, all of them, when they're used in moderation, they're great. Yeah. But when they are, are used for just buzz or just, you know, hype for the hype factor, I don't like that. I'm going to tell you a secret. As a 28 year marketer we don't do anything in moderation it's physically impossible for the marketing comms and pr folks to we don't know when to stop we never have it is our it is our core defining personality trait i don't good luck with your crusade i I don't i don't hate it because i guarantee you in the super bowl this year half of the ads are going to be about 5g machine learning it's going to be common 
talking for Microsoft about AI, all that. So I can sound like the smart guy at the party. Perfect. So thank you so much for coming. You're absolutely fantastic. Thank you for having me. Thanks so much for joining us here for another episode of The Human Element. We love it when you tune in. Remember, you can find us anywhere you find your pods. Don't be afraid to give us a like or subscribe or review or share with your grandmother. We do really appreciate you listening. Thanks so much. We'll be out to you real soon. Bye-bye.